Hello and welcome to the St. Francis Sunday Sermon Podcast for this, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. Our sermon this week comes from the Reverend Christine Trainer. Enjoy and have a blessed week, my friends. In the name of the one holy and living God. Amen. As I read the Old Testament story this morning, a scene from a TV show kept running through my mind. It's a TV show called Six Feet Under. And in the scene, there's a woman named Bettina, and she's shopping in a department store with her friend named Ruth. And both women are in their late 50s, maybe early 60s. They're on a girl's day out. They're spritzing each other with perfume, and they try on some makeup, and then they head over to the women's clothing department. And they're going through the racks of clothing. And after a bit of browsing, Bettina, who has a big bag at her shoulder, starts stuffing clothes into the bag with the tags on them, just shoplifting the clothes with abandon. And horrified, Ruth asks what she's doing, to which Bettina says, oh, don't worry, we are women of a certain age. We're invisible. No one even knows that we're here. So don't worry, I never get caught. Well, sadly, Bettina has found out that at this point in her life, no one notices her anymore. She is a woman past her prime. She is invisible. And it can be very painful to feel invisible like this, disempowered, devalued. I can understand Bettina's indignation and her desire to get back at a culture in which she perceives herself as overlooked, her very personhood discounted and unacknowledged. Well, she taps into a much larger dis-ease in our society, where whole demographics of people are disempowered and overlooked because of the color of their skin, because of the amounts of their paycheck, because of their nationality on their birth certificate, or the neighborhood where they live. On the other hand, she also taps into what I believe is an epidemic in our society today, that that craving to be seen, a craving to be seen, that yearning to matter, which has seemed to reach a level of pathology, driving people to post the most intimate details on Instagram and Facebook, to pimp themselves out on reality TV, trying to survive on an island or to catfight for a rose. I think the end of The Bachelorette is coming up pretty soon when you're into that TV show. Well, wanting so desperately to be seen because they feel so despairingly invisible. Our Old Testament story about King David this morning opens on a middle-aged king. Maybe he's gotten a little flabby around the middle or a little jowly around the face. Others have gone out to battle on his behalf, but he stays in Jerusalem with all the comforts of home. He's gone a bit soft, it seems. He rises from his plush couch late in the day, the story tells us. He's been lounging in bed, and that's when he sees Bathsheba bathing on a rooftop. Well, exercising his power as king, he sends a messenger to go find out about her. And it is a 3,000-year-old Me Too moment when he brings her to his castle. 
How could she say no in the face of that power? He brings her to him and he sleeps with her, knowing that she is married to Uriah the Hittite. And as would happen with infidelity, Bathsheba becomes pregnant, and rather than face the consequences of what he has done, David first tries to get Uriah drunk and send him back home, but that doesn't work because he's too faithful of a soldier. So he puts him in the front lines so that he's sure to be killed. Well, it seems that David has gone off the rails. This man of God has lost his focus. He puts himself above the law. A dangerous move for a leader, but an all too common one. We see it in our world all the time. Powerful people who use their influence to lord it over others and put themselves above the law and other people and above decent behavior. We see it in corporate scions and in politicians, from producers to presidents. Our psalm today sings of this treachery. Fools say in their heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on humankind to see if there are any more wise who seek after God. They have all gone astray. They are all alike perverse. There is no one who does good. No, not one. It is a dreadful dirge about the woes of this world, wrought by those believing themselves above others. And like the Bettina character, usually those most at fault can perpetrate these harmful acts against others because they first blame them. They blame the others. They feel belittled, so they belittle. Arrogance leads to resentment, and it becomes the classic story of the bully. David has become a bully. He has become a royal despot. David makes a bad decision rather than repent and change his ways. At first, he tries to cover it up, and bad decisions ensue from the first. It is like a, a rotting fruit in an action verse, a host of other bad acts. And we see this disaster unfolding and wish we could save David from himself. It is so easy to see all the failings in the story, and so hard to see them in our own lives. Yet in this way, David is no longer just an idealized person. He becomes very complicated now in the story. A real human being who shares in human glory and in human brokenness. The story holds up a mirror. In 1943, Abraham Maslow proposed his famous hierarchy of needs theory. And at the very bottom layer of the pyramid lie the physical needs, things like food and drink, like sex and sleep. And every other need above those on the pyramid is a psychic need, disclosing the dire human requirement to be known and to be loved. When our psychic needs are not met, we can go to desperate measures to hurt others and ourselves. So often our world emphasizes this process of knowing, which leads to understanding, which then can lead to loving. But again and again, the Bible, the Bible collapses these steps. Instead, it holds up the powerful experience of being known and yet loved and accepted. 
period. Known, understood, accepted now, before self-improvement, before losing 10 pounds, before getting your life together. An incredible freedom comes with being seen as we are, fully known, understood, and loved. And it unleashes the freedom to know and to love and to understand others. This being known and yet loved lies at the heart of our gospel of grace. It is the saving health of Christ which St. Paul sings, praises in his letter to the Ephesians we read this morning. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. As we come to this table today, we prepare ourselves to share holy food and drink. Part of that preparation is repentance. We come, no doubt, falling short of what we might hope for ourselves. Yet, we are the body of Christ. I pray that we might know in ourselves, in our bodies, in our minds, in our souls, in our, in our deepest variance, the power of being seen and of being loved, that we might recognize all the more God's abundant grace. And we might go forth to love boldly and with mercy, without fear, without shame, reaching out so that others might come to know this joy and this love.